This is the Quick Slants Podcast. What is up, Packers fans? Welcome back to the Quick Slants Podcast at Game on Wisconsin. I'm your host, Jason Perrone. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Perrone. You can find Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. A week of training camp is in the books. We're going to talk about the Packers, some notes, some observations, and some highlights there. A little bit of good and a little bit of caution after the first couple days of training camp. But before I jump into that, I did want to uh, acknowledge on Sunday, NBA legend Bill Russell passed away. And this is not a Celtics or an NBA podcast, but every once in a while, an athlete impacts all of sports across the board and Bill Russell was certainly that on and off the court one of easily one of the top 10 best players in the NBA if if you really think about it if you're not a a recency bias type he was an iconic athlete in professional sports I had the chance to meet him uh, early in my college years he stayed at a hotel that I worked at just a great guy, very entertaining, very, very charismatic, great guy. And so RIP to Bill Russell and uh, the NBA will miss him, absolutely. Um, so just wanted to acknowledge that And before we get into a little bit of Packers news here. So, all right, so we've got a week of training camp that's gone by, and a couple of stories have kind of taken shape already with regards to this year's Packers team. The first one I want to start with is the offensive line. Because there's obviously the low-hanging fruit here. David Bakhtiari is not playing. He's still on pup. Elton Jenkins still on pup. Those are your two best offensive linemen. The Packers need solid guys up front. You need solid guys up front to win any, any football game. Offense or defense, so the offensive line, obviously very important, very, very key. The Packers have been blessed with some very good offensive lines in in the last couple of decades. So the good news was Bakhtiari and Jenkins were able to do some rehab work on the side. So they're not off the field. They're, they're able to move around and do some stuff. Jenkins was able to run around. David Bakhtiari was doing some agility drills. He had a third procedure on his knee. We learned that. Last week, when Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur spoke to the media, and so hopefully this was this was it. This is what our guy needs to do to get back on the field. We know he wants to play. Hopefully, he can. In the meantime, the Packers still have to practice, move on, play. The Earth does not stop spinning. So we saw rookie Zach Tom, who was out there taking snaps everywhere from guard to center to left tackle. A versatile offensive lineman. Where have we seen that before? Packers love guys that you can move around. And you can't really just move guys around a lot. I think John Runyon Jr., for example, he's entrenched at guard. He was a tackle in college. He's an NFL guard. And end of story, period. But they like guys that can move around, and and they're going to give these young guys every chance to play because if one of them can play now, why not create your future? Put the guy in there that could potentially be your 10-year starter. If you find him, let him play. That's what you want, rather than having to find a stopgap or pay an expensive veteran. So 
you know, as, as usual, everybody wants to talk about the offensive and the defensive plays, the receivers, the running backs, and, you know, but again, this, this offensive line is, is this needs to kind of be the front page because we need to know what's going on here. Now, if Bakhtiari ends up being able to play and he's back and Elton Jenkins comes back before too much longer, well, the, the Packers have a lot less to worry about and they're going to be in really, really great shape, but this is, uh, this is an important thing. So we need to know who the Packers are going to lean on. So if you go by having veterans out there and don't throw one of the rookies out there in, in week one, it's, it's very likely right now as of late July, early August to be the lineup that they opened camp with. We finally saw who it is that they lined up with. It was all veterans. Josh Nyman was at left tackle, John Runyon at left guard, Josh Myers at center, Jake Hansen at right guard, and they moved Royce Newman out to right tackle. Newman played tackle at Ole Miss in college. So it was all veterans. Jake Hansen, a little bit of an eyebrow raiser there because he's gotten a lot of work at center and has not done anything in any game action and has not really done anything significant. In fact, the last thing I can remember Jake Hansen doing was badly snapping a ball in a preseason game in Buffalo last year to Jordan Love. But he's out there at right guard because rookies have to earn their their way and you don't want to throw a rookie out there if he's not ready. So there are your starting five and obviously they worked with a bunch of different combinations and some of the rookies did get in with the other ones. So that that's not necessarily the, the group, but I think if they had to play a game right now, that's probably who they're going with. And if the... Protection up front isn't solid. If they can't figure out the offensive line, if this thing doesn't work out, if these rookies aren't ready to play, if Newman doesn't play well at right tackle, if Hanson has to play right guard, doesn't do well, Nyman regresses, Myers regresses, any of that stuff, we don't even need to bother worrying about how good the receivers and tight ends and running backs are, which is what everybody wants to talk about. We don't. It doesn't matter. The offense is going to stall. They're not going to be able to run the offense with all the... Even with the quick passing and everything Matt LaFleur wants to do, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be able to run this offense if he's constantly got guys in his face and he has to move off of his spot on every snap. So to me, the offensive line is A, number one. And I am going to be keyed into and and really interested to see what these guys settle into. Now, Zach Tom kind of taking the spotlight was interesting because I thought we might hear about and see more of Sean Ryan. Now, I think we will. And moving forward, I think this is when you, the training camp and preseason is when you give the rookies their chance and their snaps to make an impact. And so, of course, you're going to see them out there a lot. We're going to, we're going to see, you know, the Packers know John Runyon Jr. is going to play this year. They know Yash is out there. They're still going to get reps, but you're going to see the rookies, you're going to see the rookie offensive linemen get their shot to try to make an impact. Cole Van Lannen, second year guy. Get out there and see what you can do as well. Who do we roll with here? Who are we riding with from a depth perspective? And I think I think the Packers will will give these young guys every opportunity. Last year, you had Myers and Royce Newman and Neiman out there. Young guys, I mean, they'll play them if they're if they're good. So young guys are absolutely gonna be gonna be a thing there too. So that's one to watch. I'm going to be really curious to see what the offensive line does. Special teams. I am not used to hearing about and seeing as much about special teams as we have 
in the few short days of training camp already. And I love it. If you want signs of a culture change, why not let it start right away? And it is. It did. Absolutely started right away. First couple practices, uh, Rich Bisacci is out there yelling, getting out after his players in the press conference starting training camp. Matt LaFleur said he's never learned more about special teams than he has from Rich Bisaccia since he came to Green Bay a few months ago. And that makes sense. That's his thing. It's his passion. And again, for the Packers to get such a great coach, a coach that an entire franchise, the Vegas Raiders, trusted to lead their team when that when John Gruden was let go, I, it doesn't it doesn't get much better than that. And say what you will about the Raiders, but uh, you know Rich Bisaccia is is a great great man, and he's he seems to be a very good coach. Dalen Levitt, the new safety that came over from the Raiders, said he'd run through a wall for Bisaccia. Those are the kind of things you love to see and hear. Those are the kind of coaches you want on your team. They're going to, they, you know, the gravity around them from the players is strong. He's harping on Amari Rodgers for not returning a punt. He should have. That's what you need to do. That's what I think created special teams problems the past couple of years was that coaching wasn't explaining to these players what they were supposed to do, what they were expected to do, what they should be doing. I think special teams was literally just this forgotten part of the game. And I'm okay with being labeled right now as throwing shade at Maurice Drayton and Sean Menenga. I was not a fan of either one of them, and neither one of them performed their job well. And certainly not the guy before them, Ron Zook. He was a complete dumpster fire, an embarrassment. As a Packers coach, he should not come back to Green Bay. And so... They've been in in the bottom of the barrel as far as coaching. I mean, I think they just went out on the field and said, just run around, you know, do what you do. Good luck. Don't drop the ball. Don't fumble. And, you know, just make the best decision that you can. Well, Amari Rodgers visibly and obviously was very overwhelmed by the pro game. Drink it through the fire hose. One of my favorite cliches. And without strong guidance in coaching, he didn't develop. He just was out there kind of going off of pure hope and dreams. And now he's got something to, to lean on and say, hey, this is my job. This is what I'm expected to do. This is what I'm supposed to look for. When the situation is this, this is what I'm being asked to do. Guidelines. You wouldn't just throw a bunch of employees out there with no guidelines or playbook or SOPs and tell them to just go figure it out. Some companies do but that's not an efficient way to run an organization. So special teams is is definitely on the radar. It's improving. And these new additions, Kayshawn Nixon as well, uh, formerly of the Raiders, along with Levitt, they're, they're both going to be special teams contributors. And both of these guys are helping coach up some of the other players, veterans and rookies alike, talking about what Rich Bisaccia's special teams units are about what they what he does what he wants from them helping them out it's almost like having some additional voices out there to help coach up special teams and create a culture that this facet of the game is important the head of the pack podcast featuring Matt Schneidman of the Athletic and Bill Huber uh recently noted that Pat O'Donnell the new punter was 
specifically practicing punting into the wind. Bisaccia wanted him punting into the wind. He wanted his special teams practicing that. And they observed and said that in, in years past, it was almost always the punter with the wind at their back. Why do you think teams perform so poorly when the elements aren't in their favor? It's because they haven't practiced it. They haven't mentally prepared for what's different when the wind is in your face versus at your back. Do you hit a golf ball the same way? No. You don't kick a punt the same way either. You don't try to kick a field goal, a kickoff the same way either. And at some point, you're going to face adverse weather. Rich Bisaccia wants his team ready. He doesn't want it to be the first time they faced it in a game. Absolutely fantastic to see this shifting of, of the mentality and, and the change in the culture. Because we don't, you know, a second year of special teams being the problem, it's, it was almost like what inside linebacker used to be under the previous regime. Every year, the middle of the field was a problem. It was the middle of the field. They never addressed it. They didn't emphasize it. And finally, the Packers said, you know what? Screw it. This is what derailed our season last year. That's not going to be the problem a second year in a row. We might not win this year, but it's not going to be because we didn't address this or make changes. And they made changes and it's good. It's really, really good. Very, very important. And the Packers are trying to find special teamers. I mean, you're going to see guys make this team that weren't on the team before. And they're going to be at the bottom of the depth chart in their position group, but it's because of special teams. And yes, that's going to matter. We might have to say goodbye to some players that are really good on offense and defense for the sake of special teams being much better and having players who can contribute there. And once you instill that culture, and that's what it is, I think you can start to ingrain in getting younger guys that can come up and play special teams because it's not just some afterthought in your program. It's a big part of it, and the Packers become known for, hey, when you when you get drafted to this team, you have to play special teams. I remember when, when Equinemius St. Brown was drafted, and all the stuff came out about his dad being his trainer, and, uh, and he doesn't want to, he's not going to play special teams. He didn't play special teams in college, and so he's not going to do that. And he, of course, did play on special teams when he got to the Packers. But to even have that mentality, to even see that come out, no. Let's The Packers want to be a team where it's like, you know when you're drafted, this is part of what you're going to be asked to do. And it's it's important. And I like, I like what I see. I like what I see so far special teams-wise. Now, one interesting note, side note here. We have not heard an ounce about kicker Gabe Burkich. And I mean, not like not even one tweet about how he's kicking. And, and usually you'll see something about, you know, he made three in a row, four in a row, five in a row, didn't miss all day, whatever. We used to hear that about Crosby, who's on the physically unable list right now, so he's not kicking. And it, it, the fact that we're not hearing anything at all about him tells me that I think the media and the team feel strongly and they know that Mason Crosby is going to be the, the kicker this year. There isn't going to be a, a big competition when the season starts, Crosby's going to be your place kicker. That's going to make it for an interesting, uh, what do they do on kickoffs? Because I haven't really heard much about that either. Uh, might have to ask some of our our guys that are out there covering training camps to say who who's kicking off. Because 
Is O'Donnell taking any reps there? Is he kicking off? Because Crosby's not out there. So how are you practicing? Who's doing it? I just thought that was an interesting note there. It just seems like uh, we, we kind of know what the place kicker situation is going to be. All right, so let's get to some of the fun topics everybody wants to hear about, which are, we'll start with the wide receivers. Alan Lazard having a good camp. Rookie Romeo Dubs is having a very good camp. I have heard his name more than anybody else in the wide receiver position since camp broke. He's making great plays. He is mossing Eric Stokes and other cornerbacks in coverage. He's been really good. He's doing good things. He's forming good habits. He's getting to the facility early, getting his locker set up. He seems very mentally mature. I've said this many times before. No one should be surprised. The Packers vet their players. They want guys that are smart. They want smart players. You might not be the most physically gifted player, but you're going to be smart. We don't draft guys that don't know how to be where to line up, how to how to be a pro. Like just we don't they don't draft draft players who are a mess, but can run a four one forty. So no surprise there that Dubs is is doing really well. And we take the hype with a grain of salt because it is training camp. It's a controlled environment. But they're still going up against Jair Alexander, Stokes, Eric Stokes, Russell Douglas. Iron sharpens iron. These receivers are testing the DBs and the DBs are are testing these receivers and making them better. And when Romeo Dubs lines up week one, against the Minnesota Vikings, and it's not Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander across from him. I mean, we could see a pretty big, we could see a big performance in week one. I'm throwing some shade at the Vikings because I'll do that every chance I get. And I'm going to do it again, by the way, later in this show, so stick around if you want to hear about it. I, the, the wide receiver group, you know, I don't worry about Randall Cobb because he's a pro. And the other Guys that are out there catching passes, Sammy Watkins and everybody else that's in this wide receiver group, the the culture of the receivers seems good. And Aaron Rodgers seems bought in and he seems to like his, his receiver room. He said, I like the guys we have. They made their choice with Sammy Watkins. We learned last week that they, that Julio Jones signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and there were some Packers fans that were really upset about it. Why? What is it that Julio Jones has done in the last five years that makes you think that he's going to come in and be a contributor and a better option than what the Packers currently have? When they signed Sammy Watkins, the Julio Jones train should have stopped and left the station in all of your minds. That should have been your telltale right there. They're not bringing in Julio Jones. Yet everybody was, uh, you know, not everybody, but a lot of fans were upset about it. Why? Again, why? Look at what they've got here. They clearly drafted well here. Dubs looks like he could really be a player. Wide receiver, not a position that GM Brian Gutekunst has had a lot of success in drafting. He's been real good on the offensive line and on defense and finding defensive players. But receiver, you know, not, not, always, not always the greatest. I mean, MVS was a, a win. He was a great pick. He's not on the team anymore. And the rest of those receivers, I mean, Jamon Moore was a total bust. Equinemius St. Brown's with the Bears now. So Amari Rogers has a lot to prove. So Dubs looks like he could be a feather 
in Gudikin's cap if he continues to perform the way that he is. But we'll see what that's gonna what that's gonna mean as far as is game day. They still haven't seen Christian Watson yet. Hopefully he can get out there and, and practice. But like what we're seeing from the receiver group, pass rush. Rashawn Gary looks great, but the depth is really scary. And Rashawn's Gary, Rashawn Gary's health could actually be a huge tipping point this season. He cannot get hurt. Tepa Nalaya, Jonathan Garvin, Kingsley Enignar, Enigbare, Ladarius Hamilton, Randy Ramsey behind uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. They aren't, they're not scaring anybody. They're not coming after your quarterback. They're not, they're not doing any damage. And the reality is, is even if Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith are completely healthy, they're not going to play every snap on defense. They're going to need to be rotated in. So the Packers are going to need to get production from guys that are not named Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. If Rashawn Gary gets hurt, this defense is going to have its work cut out for it. Unless you believe that Quay Walker can step in there and be really good as a pass rusher, something he didn't do a ton of purely in college at Georgia, and he hasn't played a snap in the NFL. So that's that's one I'm looking at there too and saying, hey, we all want to know what that one thing is that could become the bugaboo this season. It might be health. And edge rusher is one area where the Packers are very, very thin. Safety's another. Razor thin. Behind Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, Vernon Scott. You've got Levitt, the recent acquisition who's coming in. I think who's really there more for special teams, but he's he's a safety. Ennis Gaines, Sean Davis, maybe Tariq Carpenter, although he's spending time at inside linebacker. Right now, I don't know if he's going to end up playing pure safety. Again, you really need those starters to stay healthy. And I think there's a lot of teams around the NFL that are in that position where they've got starters that have to be healthy. And it's, like, it's not like you're going to have quality depth at every position. If you have that luxury, then you're, you know, you're, you're probably in better shape than most teams in history. There's going to be some position groups that you just could not address and that you need your starters to be there and play well. And if they, they can't, you better hope the guys behind them can step in and do well. I want to remind everybody that in 2010, Charlie Pepra had to step in and play safety. Now, fortunately, he had Nick Collins next to him. And so that was a good thing. <laughs> having having a Nick Collins there, and it, it allowed the Packers to kind of hide Pepra or, you know, he wasn't a liability. And they won a Super Bowl. So, sure, one of these other guys could step up. I mean, some of those names I mentioned there, you know, hopefully can give the Packers some production. But it's it's those two positions in particular, pass rush and safety, are very, very thin. Hope hope those guys play, uh, the starters play well and stay healthy. If not, keep an eye on how the younger guys are doing because they're gonna, the Packers are going to need them. And if they're going to make a move to address that depth, I think Edge is probably where they look to make that move. They look for another Whitney Merciless type guy. You're going to have some cuts at the end of camp. You might have some guys that get cut a, f- a few weeks into the season. And they simply, I think they simply have to because they, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith cannot play all, all the snaps. So I think that's where the Packers will look to make a move. We'll see what happens at the end of camp. Cuts, undrafted free agents, practice squad, all that other kind of stuff. Let's see what they end up finding. I mean, Nobody knew who Russell Douglas was in Green, in Green Bay last year this time. So maybe they'll find somebody who can come in and be a dude and end up be a big-time player for this defense. Uh, okay, so I said I was going to throw some more shade at the Vikings, and here we are. As short as the edge group is on depth, 
Uh, it's easy to say that we miss Zadarius Smith. And would he be a better option than some of the guys out there right now? Sure. Yes, of course. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna say I'd rather have nothing than Zadarius Smith. Like that's just silly. But last season, as soon as rumblings hit that he was unhappy and he was vocal about it while he was recovering from the injury, and that there was this weirdness with his with uh, in the locker room, I kind of just at that point I was like I wanted the Packers to move on because when he's happy and playing well, Zadarius Smith is great. But he's got this propensity to get upset and and get uh, you know. Uh, get mad and look it's okay to play with a chip on your shoulder and let a lack of recognition fuel you all the messages on his on his shirts under his jersey snubbed and all that kind of stuff right and let that let it fuel you but when the Packers released him he became this martyr you know he signed with the Ravens then he unsigned and joined the Vikings instead and this past weekend You've got fans out there at Vikings training camp. They start the skull chant at practice. He doesn't get it, okay? Say what you will. He did not understand what was going on. He starts clapping and doing all this stuff, and it's like, no, they're doing a skull chant right now. It's kind of a thing <laughs> there, Zedarius. Uh, you know, he's not doing the arms over the head thing. And then after a bunch of his teammates are doing it, he finally gets it and sees what's going on and starts doing the skull chant. And I see this tweet that says, there's Zadarius Smith leading the skull chant. I'm not quite sure that everybody knows what the word leading means. It was definitely not leading anything. He was very much unaware of what was going on because he's not a Viking. He's not a true Viking. He's there to get paid and play against the Packers twice. I'm, I'm just here to tell you. And I'm not sorry to burst your bubble, Vikings fans, because that's exactly what he's there for. Now, he might wreck one of those games against the Packers and y'all win your annual Super Bowl of beating the Packers, which is the apparently the most important goal. Beat the Packers and then maybe figure out the other 15 games on your schedule. Okay, cool. But that you know, they so badly want him to be this savior, this Reggie White figure, and clearly haven't watched how he operates. And they can't see the end of the movie coming. Then I see another tweet about how nice it is to see a former Packer player 100% bought in in Minnesota. Okay, well, does that mean that the other former Packer players weren't bought in and finally it's a, a breath of fresh air that one comes in and is bought in? I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure if, if that was it or if anything, players stopped buying in after they saw what life is like in Minnesota and they were just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> this is not... The Packers, I'm in Minnesota, and I'm, I'm getting paid, but this is not that much fun. I mean, look, the dude, Zadarius Smith, is 100% bought in on one thing, and that is himself. So, you know, sure. Piss and vinegar, week one, he wrecks the game, possibly. But long term, he's, he's going to be here today, gone tomorrow in Minnesota. He's going to be just like former Packers, including Hall of Famer Brett Favre, who was supposed to come in and spurn the, you know, scorn the Packers and catapult the Vikings to greatness. And they got close, but, you know, it was it was Favre himself that kept him, them from getting to the Super Bowl and a chance at a championship they just never learn. And that is what's nice to see. <laughs> Again, uh, I doubt the author of that tweet is listening to this show, but... Um, it's it's started out with it's nice to see a former Packers player 100% bought in Minnesota. So just had to end with that. Really did. I'm, I'm glad this Packers team has some good players on it. Good culture, good character. 
we'll see what week two of training camp brings along with it. And, you know, it's hot out there. They're going to start developing, getting closer to that first preseason game. Hopefully we'll start to get a better idea of who's really working in with the ones and who's doing what. Can Dubs follow up and have another great week? Might they get a few more guys back off a pup? There's a lot of things to look forward to. How is Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins rehab coming? Robert Tunyon as well. A lot of cool things to look forward to as far as the Packers go. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for riding along with me. Again, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Perrone. You can follow Game on Wisconsin at Game on WI. Good times abound. We're always one more day closer to the opening of the Green Bay Packers 2022 regular season. In the meantime, everybody stay cool out there. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Stay safe. And as always, go Pack Go. Off play action, back to throw Prescott with time. Rifles it over the middle through the hands of Cooper. Intercepted. Jair Alexander to the 20, cutting left, 25 30. He's got an escort to the 35 40. Hurdles a defender across the 50. And into Dallas territory.